episode 498, how you can win in an entrepreneurial David and Goliath situation with RT Custer. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes. To Get to the podcast. This week on Awaken Your Alpha, we've got a quite unusual one. We've got RT Custer on the line, and he's the founder of Vortec Watch, one of the only American-made watch companies to help resurrect antique watches by combining vintage internals with modern wristwatch cases. We've got a bit of a David and Goliath story on here as well, which we're going to dig into. I'm interested. I'm curious. I'm excited. RT, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am ready. I am awake and I am here. Thanks for having me. No worries. So that was quite a brief introduction I just gave you. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about? Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I would definitely like self-select as a, as a serial entrepreneur. I, I have, uh, you know, several businesses um, that, I've, that I've built and um, started my entrepreneurial journey in college originally. Um, but, but yeah, that's my main business is Vortec Watch Company. Uh, we salvage and restore antique American pocket watches and turn them into wristwatches. Awesome. I mean, we're going to get into it, but had any, had you ever seen anything like that? Had anyone even thought of that before? Actually, let's, let's just dive straight into the, the origins with that then. Where, where do you get the idea from? Yeah, sure thing. So, so today I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, we're about an hour north of Denver. That's where Vortec Watch Company is based. Um, but my friend Tyler and I have the idea on the golf course at Penn State University in Pennsylvania, where we went to school. Um, I was studying industrial engineering. He was studying mathematics. That and we basically, <laughs> like, we, we had a bunch of, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we liked mechanical things. Um, I really liked knowing how things worked. He was a watch guy. He really, he was getting into, like, vintage Timex. Was, we were college students. We can't afford Rolex at that point. So <laughs> we were just learning about the different watches that, that existed. He's telling me all about these watches that he's finding. He thought they were cool. Um, and, and it just had, we had this great conversation about watches that ended up with like, I don't know how, but maybe we should start a watch company. Um, and, and so we did a bunch of research on, you know, Hey, if we're going to start a watch company, let's try to make everything in America. Cause this is, this is 2011 to 2014 is, is when we were, you know, ideating and, and doing all the startup phases and stuff. And that was like the epitome of the peak of made in the USA. Like everybody was talking about made in America at that time. Um, and so we just, we wanted to make it in, in America if we could. And we did a bunch of research and we stumbled upon the history of the great American watch companies. And these were companies that made pocket watches here about a hundred years ago. Um, and, and we had never heard of them. A lot of people never heard of them, but uh, great companies like Hamilton, Illinois, Waltham, Elgin, they made a hundred million pocket watches in the Northeast of America in, between about, I would say 1850 and 1950. And today, Pocket watches are scrapped for gold and silver. So the outside case gets thrown away or melted down. And the inside is trash um, to those people. That's mostly pawn shops and state buyers. Yeah. And so we came up with this concept of what if we turn the old pocket watch into a wristwatch? If we made all the outside in America, all the inside was made in America 100 years ago, we'd have a 100% made in USA watch. Put that idea on Kickstarter in late 2014, and we've sold every watch we've ever made since. Whoa. Now, I'll, I want to talk to you about 
you mentioned before the interview, you've, you've, just, you've just come out the other side of it, having to awaken your alpha, and I'm, I hinted at a David and Goliath story. So what am I referring to for the listeners? And uh, this sounds, <laughs> what, I, I don't know the details yet, but this sounds like the worst possible thing that could happen when you're kickstarting and kicking off this, you know, this new venture. Yeah, so um, we launched on Kickstarter in late 2014. In May of 2015, we put an ad in Watch Time magazine, which was the biggest and still is the biggest watch, like wristwatch magazine in the US. And we said, hey, we can turn pocket watches into wristwatches. And we featured something similar to what's on my wrist today. This is a Hamilton pocket watch made in 1929 that we turned into a wristwatch. Yeah. So it says the word Hamilton right on the face of the watch because it's all original. That's what it said on the pocket watch. It says the word Vortec, our company, on the back. That's, yeah. it's, not, it's not about us. It's about like preserving American history, yeah. right? So we put an ad in this magazine that said, you know, come by the Lancaster, um, which is what we called it. Yeah. And the Swatch Group, unbeknownst to us, owns the trademark um, for the word Hamilton as it pertains to watches. And they run the modern version of the Hamilton Watch Company. Basically, Hamilton Watch Company went out of business in the 70s. Yeah. And, you know, um, it was purchased by the Swatch Group. So um, they sued us. And, and we have been fighting that lawsuit for, I mean, since pretty much July of 2015. Okay. Don't um, give away which the was before yet. we even <laughs> shipped a watch. I'm interested in this because what is the specific thing they're suing you for? Because... Like you're not saying it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Cause you're not saying like, this is yours, but you're, you know, you're reselling something, you're tweaking it. What was the specific thing that they zoned in on? Obviously you've got an advert with Hamilton. They own that. I can see how that might attract their attention at least initially, but what was the, the real thing that they were going for you? Yeah. So we got sued for um, trademark infringement and counterfeiting. Um, trademark infringement, we could see, right? It's, it's, you know, the word Hamilton is on yeah. the face of the watch. It's, it's all original. So we were trying to fight that with like, okay, but it's a hundred years old and you know, the trademark's kind of gone at this yeah. point, you know, it's, it's different, right? Like uh, on that, it's, it's more of the defense is more of like consumer confusion, right? We have to make yeah. sure we, we are educating the consumer and there's no trademark infringement counterfeiting was was heavy that was something where they were basically accusing us of altering the the pocket watches and actually printing the word hamilton on the face oh. of the watches so that we would sell them we were using their brand to make money that's what they accused us of wow. that's that's as as you and i know even just based on this short conversation not what we were doing right like we were using antique things made 100 years ago we were in no way trying to use someone else's brand to make money but that's what they sued us over but the counterfeiting one is like a, a clear cut once you dig into it, you'd, you'd be confident that that's that's gonna you know be a load of rubbish eventually so the, theoretically the yeah yeah theoretically <laughs> the the trademark one then how does that work for yeah like you, you obviously i'm running magazine ads did you have to just say okay we won't run that ad or how how did this impact your business initially and also what was what did you feel like mentally and physically when when you got the big giant coming down looking to crush you ultimately. Yeah. So, I mean, we went through waves of, of trying to fight it and, and trying to, you know, like go down the legal routes of, of trying to protect ourselves and create legal arguments and hire different attorneys. We tried all that stuff. We also tried, I mean, I, I wrote personal letters to everyone that runs the Swatch group in Switzerland 
sent those over and, and just tried to say like, Hey, I'll come to you. I'll put our watch in your hand. Like, let me try to prove to you that like what we do is not harmful to your brand in any way. Um, and unfortunately, basically all of that was for not, and they, they just, you know, kept referring us back to their attorneys. Oh, they just said, kept like, ignoring you. We'll see just, you in court. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And that's the other thing, yeah. right um, or wrong. Generally, you'd, you'd think that a company like that, identifying two people like you guys will just think they should, whether they're right or not, they can kind of put you out of business just through these legal um, hurdles and hoops to jump through. And ultimately that costs money. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was really, the inherent goal. Um, and, and, you know, we don't know, cause obviously yeah. we're not, we're never going to know the information, but it felt as though they were just trying to put us out of business financially. Um, and, and just trying to get rid of another, another competitor, um, in the watch space. And, and so that's one of the reasons just like on principle, I wanted to fight it because I mean, just, yeah, again, like on principle, like we're, we're not going to be put out of business by a huge corporation. Like that's just, that's, that's not what you do as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You stand up and you fight. What was the, uh, the bleakest time during this fight or um, were there any other days, times, minutes, hours where you did think, oh man, I'm gonna, you know, maybe it is time to move on with, you know, were they yeah. breaking you a little bit on this? Yeah. So, um, the bleakest time was we went to New York City um, for a settlement conference. And, and basically, the, you know, the short version of how the legal process works, you just send big, long documents to each other over and over again. And it's just this <laughs> argument that costs a fortune, right? Um, but at, at a certain point, um, a judge says, hey, guys, like, stop arguing. Let's just put everybody in the same room and let's talk it out. Let's try to settle this thing before it goes to trial yeah. um, because that's going to cost everyone, including taxpayers. It's a federal court case, a lot of money. And so we had a settlement conference. So I flew to New York City because it's, it's being tried in New York City in the federal courthouse. Um, I flew to New York City expecting to see someone from Switzerland there sitting across the table from me mm -hmm. and and we just kind of have the conversation in person and, and yeah. just give it a shot at settlement maybe there's a middle ground i don't know we waited for a few hours um and then we found out that they asked to this watch group asked to dial in and just call in from switzerland instead of coming in person which was everyone's expectation and then they basically for lack of better words no showed us um, and never actually showed up for the meeting, never actually called, um, seemingly unwilling to negotiate wow. or settle Not in the way. to call. That's harsh. Yeah. And so, and so they got, um, they got a slap on the wrist from the judge. The judge was very mad because, um, she was there in the room, literally also getting no show, yeah, no um, a federal U S judge. Yeah. yeah. Not, not the right way to do business. Right. Mm. And so, um, if you there's it, all the court documents are public record, the, the, um, the court basically shamed them. They had to pay for all my travel because they wasted my time. Oh, um, I don't know if Good they had to pay any other fees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the bleak moment of that is my attorney, before I got back on the plane to go back to, to Colorado, he said, listen, they're, they're, they clearly have no interest in settling this. They're going to take it all the way and you cannot afford to take this all the way financially. Mm -hmm. Like you can't afford to fight this. So um, I, I don't know where we go from here, but 
I don't know that I can be your attorney because I can't keep working for free or almost free. Yeah. And so um, I started I started looking for other attorneys because I realized at that point that my attorney didn't believe in me anymore. He didn't believe in the fight. He didn't believe in the business. And, um, and I also started to explore other options. And so I sat in the parking lot of our, our workshop and I Googled best Colorado bankruptcy attorney, <laughs> just, just to do yeah. some research. Right. And I found this guy named Rob Lance um, and Mr. Lance and his firm uh, in Denver. Um, they were not the bankruptcy attorney that I was looking for. Um, they actually are bulldog attorneys that go after corporations that are falsely filing for bankruptcy um, and trying to use the system for their benefit. Yeah. And I got in touch with him and he said, he gave me that bad news and said, Hey, I'm not the person you're looking for, but my business partner is a trademark expert and I want to help you because I hate this corporate David and Goliath BS that's happening right now in the world. And, and I think you deserve as an entrepreneur, um, to, to survive this. And, uh, he worked, he, he worked basically for free for like 12 months. We took him all the way to trial. Whoa. And, um, yeah, fast forward to the end, uh, February, 2020, um, I sat in front of a judge, put my hand on the Bible and told the whole story of Vortec watch company. Um, we take pocket watches, turn into wrist watches, et cetera, et cetera. I took my watch off, handed it to her, um, explained everything. And a few months later, the ruling came out and we won and we defeated the world's largest watch company in federal courts um, on all counts. And the case was closed wow. and uh, we celebrated. <laughs> so um, obviously, how did that fast impact forwarding your business through a lot of yeah. roller coaster there. How did that but, impact but your business? It. I mean, were your watches still selling? I and mean, we want to talk about, you know, launching a product and selling stuff online, you know, not based on, you know, your location, yeah. but. How did the business, outside of obviously this going along the whole time, how did the business go and grow and how was that going during all this? Yeah, you know, the business was, was doing fairly well throughout the whole time. I mean, you know, we were always trying to figure out financing and, and cash flowing. It's a manufacturing company, so we, own, we have a lot of overhead. Um, but the only reason, you know, in hindsight that we still did well through all of this is because um, my business partner, Tyler, was basically running the show at home while I was fighting the war against the Swatch Group. And, yeah. and he and I decided early on, um, and I don't know if, if we ever really had the conversation. I think it was just kind of assumed. I was taking on the burden of this lawsuit. Um, and he was taking on the burden of making sure that, that everybody at home still had work to do. Um, and we were still making watches, um, so that, so that I could sell them. Um, and, and that's early on, we did have the conversation of he makes them, I sell them, you know, yeah. pretty straightforward business partnership, right? Like he runs the manufacturing, yeah. the operations, and then I do finance and sales. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, and legal, I guess that just falls yeah. into my bucket. And so <laughs> we just it. like, okay. But, you know, in hindsight, again, like, thank God I had a business partner because if yeah. it was just me, I, like, I couldn't get off the phone with an attorney saying like, hey, you're out of money and we can't, we can't do this anymore. Hang up and then just sit down in the team meeting in front of my team and say like, all right, guys, we need to make some more watches so we can make some more money to go fight this legal yeah, battle. it's good that you kind that, of buffered that, the rest you know, of them from that. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's really that's really the only reason we survived is because uh, Tyler and I were able to, 
to divide and conquer and juggle all of it. Um, and that, and that's the, the foundational reason. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that I learned through the process and one of the reasons that, that I get to sit here today and say that we won is that um, I started asking for help. Um, right, right when the attorney, the first attorney said we were screwed and there was nothing we could do. Um, I, and I kind of hit that bleak moment. I started asking for help. And so um, we started telling our customers about it. We had a big email list and we just said, Hey customers, um, we're getting sued and here's, here's what's going on and we need your help. We need you to buy watches. Um, there's only like you, we were not doing a GoFundMe. We're not asking for money. We're not trying to get you to pay our legal bills. We just need to sell watches, uh, you know, and, and we came up with this, with this joke, um, like a, a watch a day keeps the bankers at bay. Um, <laughs> and, and that like, that's something I kept telling myself is like, we just have to sell one watch every day. Cause our watches um, are, are 2000 to $10,000 each. And so, you know, doing the math, working backwards, start with the end in mind, right? If, if we sell one watch a day, at least five days a week, um, that's enough to cover our overhead and operate as a business and also just keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, and, and then during the pandemic, you know, now, <laughs> we got the, the lawsuit came, came to fruition, like right. It was February, 2020. I was in Manhattan. Um, so not a, not a good time to be there. Um, and, and, and this pandemic hit. And so we went from selling mostly custom made to order watches that take, took like six to eight weeks to make. We pivoted and we created what we call today watch of the day. Um, and we make them now ahead of time and every day, Monday through Friday, we release one new one of a kind watch Uh, at 12 noon. And when it's sold, it's gone. Yeah. Very simple. It's yeah, it's fun. It's, it's content. And, um, the, the customer has this, like, I got to buy it now. Like there's urgency, right? Because there's everyone seeing it on the internet. Yeah. 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 And when it's, and it's one of a kind, so when it's sold, it's gone. And, and we pivoted to that uh, throughout the pandemic. And, and we actually, 2020 was our best year ever um, sales-wise. Wow. Um, and, I, and I think one, because we had a, a really good marketing idea in terms of the Watch of the Day program that worked. Everybody likes that. Um, it just fits our business model uh, really well. And two, because I just, I just was transparent about everything. I was like, yeah, we're getting sued. We just walked out of federal court. We think we won. We're not going to find out for a while. Um, but the email responses, I mean, we had at that time, we probably had 20,000 people on our email list in early 2020. Now we have about 40,000. Nice. Um, oh, that's well doubled in a year. But well. Yeah. Well, it's been, a, that's the other, you know, we've been a focus on, on that, just growing the, growing the email list. Uh, yeah, you're not fighting, you're not fighting the big watch company now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so we, um, we, we just started sharing updates and every week I sent an email about what watches we had for sale and like a company update. And probably once a month we gave an update on the lawsuit and where that was at. And in September of 2020, we found out we won. Um, and, and I sent that in an email and, and we sold more watches, you know, and, and I kept basically just asking customers like, Hey, if, if you want to support us, if you want to help us the best and really only thing you can do is, buy a watch um, or, or tell your friends that like watches that we exist and maybe they'll buy a watch and Man. and we'll stay in business as one of America's only watch companies. So you definitely leveraged obviously the fact that you were getting, you know, hammered and squeezed by the big company 
to your well, you make the most out of it definitely make the most that's awesome do with it what you can right turn shit into sugar <laughs> sure that. yeah so. yeah oh man that's, that's yeah awesome. and 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 it was you know yeah it was stressful the whole time it was scary the whole time there was it was roller coaster right because some days we'd send an email and we'd get a bunch of responses saying like yeah go get them and you know good for you guys yeah. like standing up to Goliath like keep after it what can I do to support you and and some days you know your your messages fall on deaf ears and um, mm-hmm. and 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 we we didn't get a, a lot of help, but, um, thankfully the, the good days were, were more prevalent than the bad days. And, um, today is a good day. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to move into the alpha round. And I like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that really resonates with you? Maybe the sort of thing you might have in your office, just kind of your approach to life, any spring to mind? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to grab my phone because, um, I wrote this quote down the other day. Um, Sam Parr from The Hustle, if you, if you know The Hustle, uh, got acquired by HubSpot. Um, he said he borrowed this quote from someone, and I don't know the true source, but um, I'll read it to you just so I don't butcher it. <laughs> um, success is getting what you want, and happiness is wanting what you get. So success is getting what you want, and happiness is wanting what you get. I love that quote because it just, it makes you think like, what are we doing all this for? What are we after? Are you really, when you are successful, are you happy? Mm. Um, Where does happiness come from and is it tied to success? Um, And I've, I've had a lot of moments like that in the last year or two, you know, through the pandemic, through this lawsuit, through all this stuff where I've really questioned like, why am I doing all this? Why am I on planet earth? Like, why was I put here? Um, why was I given this, this position that I, I get to do? Why, why do I get to run a watch company every day and run this awesome team? Um, is it making me happy? And, and if not, what can I do to, to get there? Definitely. And along the same sort of theme, is there a particularly impactful book for you? Could be an all time favorite or it was just the, the book you sure. read at the right time that really is what you needed to hear at the time. Yeah, my go-to is Building a Story Brand by Don Miller. Um, oh, I never heard of it. I read, it's, it's an awesome, Don, so Don Miller also has a, um, a podcast. Uh, I think it's also just called Story Brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but Building a Story Brand is literally like, if, if uh, I'll also say Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. Um, if you read Building a Story Brand and Start With Why together, like at the same time, and then you look at your website and you look at your emails and your marketing material, you're going to do what I did and what Tyler did. So Tyler and I read those books together um, and we gutted the website. And if you go to VortexWatches.com today, it literally says, like I typed it out on the homepage, who we are, what we do, how to buy it. And there's a little paragraph under each one and a big old button under each one of those sections because um, start with why is obviously like, why you do what you do building a story brand is how do you get to the point and tell a story behind your brand effectively how do you capture the audience's attention in you know what you have like five seconds when they get to your website so um yeah i love those two books especially but building a story brand number one awesome recommendation 
Well, sometimes ask for resources as well if they've got any resources. But that that sounds like you kind of some great resources there, and I think everyone's going to look at their website a little bit. For sure. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to have a little look yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Now, when it comes to, I think you might have touched it there. Then selling online. What do you think has enabled you to be so successful? Is it that that leverage in the story brand and having that clearly communicated, and obviously, and the reality, just sharing the reality of what's going on in, in your business in your world with that that email list and and online? Yeah, um, a few things. Number one is the easiest thing that literally everyone can do, and it's consistency. We send an email to our email newsletter list every Tuesday at noon. And I've done that for over two years, probably going on two and a half years now. Um, if you look at our web statistics and the site traffic, there's a spike on our website every Tuesday at noon because I send an email and everyone's like, oh yeah, that's the watch company. I signed up for their email list a couple months ago. I totally forgot about that. I'm gonna buy a watch today. If you look at our sales, we sell more watches on Tuesday than any, any other day of the week. And if you didn't know that I sent an email on Tuesday, you would have no idea why. Um, but consistency in all things communication. Um, when we used to do um, custom watches, we sent a, a bi-weekly update to every customer, no matter if we had anything to update or not, we were just consistent about it. We send that email every week on Tuesday. We post on social media every single day. Even if we don't have something to talk about, we make something up. It's just be consistent, stay there, go, go, go. That's, that's number one. And then, yeah, number two is, is tying in the story behind everything because you have to stand out. If you are consistent and you're just like everyone else, you're just going to fade off into the distance. You, you won't fade off as fast if you're, consist uh, if you're consistent, but you will fade off. Yeah. If there's a story behind what you do, which is always something, there's always yeah. some cool factor, something that differentiates you from other people and your competitors. For us, there's a million. Um, but we try to weave story into every single one of those emails, every single social media post, every single watch tells a story. So we lucked out with our business model there, but that's, um, especially that's having, the way I try to do it. now looking back and you're outside of it, having, you know, the, the, the big watch company come after you. Ah, it's, that's beautiful ammunition yep. now for your story. Story awesome. in itself, for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I suppose on that, you're saying being unique and standing out, you've got that in, in your, in your story brand now that the swatch came after you, you was, you know, big enough that they were annoyed, <laughs> got on their radar from the outside. I mean, what, what is unique apart from that sort of thing about your, like, and your watch brand ultimately, I know you've got the combination, but have you had almost like now you're a bigger watch company. Have you had a little guy come and try and like, Hey, I'm going to combine this. What a great idea. And with it being antique watches, where do you get them? And is there a, a limited supply that's going down in theory? Like, I mean, I have no idea if yeah. there's tons of these watches or if you're like, oh crap, we're using them all. Sure. I don't yeah. So I think I can answer all those questions by telling you a story. Um, over a hundred years ago, those great American watch companies, there was 10 companies that made pocket watches in the Northeast. Um, those 10 companies made over a hundred million pocket watches between the mid 1800s and the mid 1900s. Yeah. So to answer one of your questions, we can find pocket watches fairly easily. Um, we, we are the only company in the world that buys more than I would say a hundred pocket watches at a time. Um, so as state dealers, estate buyers, pawn shops, auctioneers, those people, they know who we are. I bet they and love if you. They have a, 
<laughs> yeah, was... they have a box of pocket watches that's in the back. Nobody wants them. They they send it to Vortec in, in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's that's how we get them. Um, and we have we have people that are just kind of always looking for cool yeah. pocket watches for us, and a lot of them come from the scrappers where they've they've already scrapped the gold and silver of the case, and we just get the inside, and so it's literally trash to treasure. There, we're trying to save pieces of American history from being thrown away because that's what these are. Um, and so we collect thousands of pocket watches, and then we cherry pick them down to about a hundred um, per quarter or so. Yeah. So we we can do roughly 350 to 500 watches a year depending on what we do in each year um and so we just yeah we just cherry pick them and we get the best of the best and we turn those into wristwatches they there have been people and and the the concept of turning a pocket watch into wristwatch is not novel we were not the first to do it we were probably the first to like make our entire business model around it okay there are other companies um small businesses that are doing similar stuff but we have a very unique style to ours and we've also been in the game the longest, you know, mm -hmm. it's been almost eight years now. So people know who we are. And, um, especially in a, like a crowd of, of people that like watches, they'll see something like this and they'll be like, Oh, the crown of the watch, the knob is at 12 o'clock. That must be a pocket watch or it must have been a pocket. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. And then people associate pocket watch, wristwatch, that must be a Vortec watch that's made in Colorado by that American company. And so now I think we've gotten some of that brand association, just like you might associate um, Rolex with golf tournaments or Omega with the Olympics. Uh, we haven't paid for ours. We've earned it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolutely legendary conversation. It's flown. What is the best way people can connect with you or the company if they want to find out more? Yeah, so um, real simple, vorticwatches.com, V is in Victor, O-R-T-I-C, watches.com. Um, and if, if you want to chat with me, especially business, entrepreneurship, all that stuff, my email is really simple. It's like RT, like Robert Thomas, at vorticwatches.com. Perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Well, RT, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a ton of fun. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. If you've ever thought a TEDx talk is something that would be cool to do and then help share your message, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass. And you can get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.